Hello, and welcome to The Top 3, a podcast where we discuss the definitive rankings of everything. I am your host, Kieran Davey. Today, I am joined by James Tugman to discuss the top three breakfast cereals, a tasty snack enjoyable at all times of the day. It's sure to be a fun discussion. Let's dive in. Hi, James. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your morning to be on the uh, podcast with me. Thanks, Kieran. I'm honored. This is episode three, right? Yeah, episode three of the top three. And today we'll be discussing the top three breakfast cereals, Mm -hmm. which I'm excited about. I was wondering, are we sticking to, are we going all breakfast cereals? Are we doing specifically like sugary ones or what are we doing? I think just generally breakfast cereals. Uh, There's there's some notable cereals that aren't in fact sugary, but are still strong. That should be on the map, but I'm happy to keep it broad with just the breakfast cereal category. Yeah, I agree. I also think that if we start delineating between sugary and non-sugary cereals, I think it gets really messy <laughs> in terms of like, you know, what qualifies. Yeah, they all have sugar. Who are we kidding? <laughs> it's true. Yeah, so sugary cereals is just all breakfast cereals. Effectively, yeah. So I guess maybe for people who have grown up not eating cereals, cereals are a really popular breakfast food. Uh... I don't know how to describe them, to be honest. You pour them out of a box into a bowl with milk, and it's like little crunchy carbs that you eat with your milk. (laughs) I would say for those who come from a distant alien planet and have no semblance of of what cereals are, they're kind of these sugary clusters of faux granola slash like rice chemical mixtures that are made in some lab, and they're heavily branded. And just a, a quick clarification, Kieran, it's it's always cereal first, milk second. Uh, oh, yes. The sequencing yes. Is, is incredibly important. Uh, and they're primarily reserved for, for breakfast, but at least in my family, they've kind of become a bit of an, an evening little, you know, after dinner, before bed snack, a kind of a digestif sort of. That is a great point. I also love the like, ripe, like the midnight snack cereal. That is a great choice. Um, so I guess by us saying breakfast cereal, we're maybe, you know, putting it too much of a box. It's just cereal at whatever time of the day you want it. Oh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, you might be right. I might be unnecessary to define cereals. Uh, and I guess also the definition just makes it sound disturbing. When you think about like, this lab-created granola monster. Yeah, the the plucky mascots do a lot to to remind you that that doesn't <laughs> that it's fun and it's approachable. But Yeah, I think speaking of the plucky mascots... I think we'll get into that a little more later on, but just to establish some kind of base parameters for our discussion, when we talk about the top three cereals, some of the factors that I see come into play is I think the mascot probably plays some kind of a role, whether it's the little, I don't know, Buzz the Bee? I should have done some research on this. (laughs) Yeah, Buzz the Bee, everyone's favorite. (laughs) Yeah, the guy from the Cheerios, or it's like, the Quaker man who's on, like, I don't know, Harvest Crunch or something. And judgmental from the top of the box. (laughs) Yeah, he's judging you for, like, not choosing a healthy cereal. Like, I feel like that plays a role in the discussion, the mascot. I think also, like, you know, taste. Of course. Obviously. Of course. Probably some level of, like, maybe child nostalgia. I think, like, cereal's a big thing when you're a kid. It's, like, sugary ones specifically. And maybe also, I think, like, longevity. 
Like, there's some cereals that I could eat, like, one spoonful of, but I couldn't have for breakfast every day. And I feel like, I don't know if those, uh, I don't know. What do you, th- what do you think? So that, those are the criteria that I thought of. I think that's a good criteria. Another one that's worth considering is what I would call the, the post-cereal experience called the, the PCE, if you will, which is like, you slam back a bowl of insert cereal here. What's the milk tasting like? You know, what's the rest of the experience looking like? Are there going to be like little crumbs and whatnot at the bottom? Like the cereal experience extends so much further beyond just when you finish that last piece of cereal. Yeah, great point. I think the PCE, the post-cereal experience, is super <laughs> important. For, out of curiosity, what's your strategy in terms of the cereal milk ratio? Do you like having extra milk that you can like toss back like a shot afterwards or... Honestly, no. I think if you asked me when I was much younger, Karen, I would have said like, yeah, 50-50. Let me, let me get some quality milk at the end of this. But as my body has grown to despise milk and the things it can do for my digestive system, I've erred on the side of like just almond milk or oat milk or whatever non-dairy milk and keep it relatively low. It's really just to moisten up the cereal. The milk is certainly faci- facilitates the eating experience enable or catalyze the consumption of the cereal, but it's not like the primary means of entertainment or enjoyment. Generally, I'm on the less is more kind of side of milk. That makes sense. That makes sense. I can see that. I do enjoy this the slurpage afterwards. Yeah, slurpage is good. <laughs> yeah, apologies to all the listeners for using the word slurpage. It's an important part of the PCE. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you're quite the cereal connoisseur, if I'm correct. I think I have a much more impassioned interest in cereal than a normal person. That is to say, I'm like abnormally invested in in cereal. I think growing up, like my family had a pretty vanilla collection of cereals, you know, like Vector, Mini Wheats, Cheerios, solid staples of, you know, the suburban home. And any sugary cereals take like, you know, Count Chocula or Corn Pops. Those were mysterious, once in a, you know, lifetime kind of occurrence. And those would be gone, like boxes of those would be gone in, you know, a day or two. But since I've started living on my own and I'm, I've got disposable income and an apartment and I have a job, I'm looking fondly back at the, the days of my cereal consumption and thinking, hmm, maybe there's some ways I can like get that back in my rhythm. And so I've been investing in some childhood sugary cereals that I never had the chance to, uh, to consume. And it's been, it's been a blast. I cannot eat as much sugary cereal as I once could because uh, I'm no longer 12. But man, is it still... Is it still strong? <laughs> oh yeah, it still it still hits. Yeah, I believe if I am correct, having visited your apartment pre-COVID, you have like a cereal dispenser, like a cereal wall dispenser in your kitchen. That's right. Yeah, this is kind of a, taking a page out of kind of hotels or like if you go to a hotel and there's you know there's a restaurant in the basement for breakfast and, and they've got these kind of large canisters of, of cereal and you can pull down a lever and it's like very industrial and it just floods your bowl with like insert cereal here and i was always just blown away by that like just the sheer ferocity of like <laughs> the cereal dispensary and so i thought hmm, maybe there's a way i can bring that into my place and so i found this these things on amazon tubes that are mounted onto the wall and they're kind of canisters i guess you can fill them up with a cereal of your choice and then you crank them and you can pour cereal out it's been great it was tougher to get them on the wall than i thought like it's it's mounted with i think proper industrial tape so whether i get the security deposit back in my apartment yeah it's a problem for future james but until then you know i got tricks <laughs> <laughs> it's worth it for the tricks on tap 
the TNT. <laughs> well, I, I think you bring up a good point, though, going back to your thing about the staples and, like, the sugary cereals being once in a blue moon when you're a kid. I had a similar thing growing up in that we had, you know, some sh- cereals that we had frequently in the house, Cheerios or, like, oatmeal crisp or things like that. And we'd rarely see the sugary ones. Like, I had some friends growing up, they would have, like, Reese Puffs just, like, in their kitchen as an option all the time. And that was wild to me. So when i go hang out at their house, I'd totally, like, make myself a bowl of this chocolate bonanza just to, like, experience the, the rush. <laughs> but for our family, we would have it maybe the start of, like, Christmas break. My mom would buy, like, a box of sugary cereal or the start of, like, summer vacation. Um, I don't know if you ever had those, like, little camping packs of, like, little small boxes of cereal, but we would have that when we went camping. It was, like, mini four-pack of uh, cereal sometimes. Was was that enough for you, though? Those boxes could do nothing to me and my brother. We could crush three or four of those and not be satisfied. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, this I was at age, like, seven or eight at the time, so right. I'm pretty... <laughs> I'm pretty small. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. Sugary cereals were not a big thing in my family when I was a kid. And so I wonder how much that plays a role into whether or not you like cereals now, like as an adult. Like you mentioned, you're an adult now. You can buy, you know, tricks or whatever you want. And so, like, you're like, yeah, let's do it. Like, this is something I didn't have when I was a kid, and now I want it. I wonder if that plays a role, whether if you ate it all the time as a kid, if you're like, I don't want this anymore whatever right i totally i think it's kind of like delayed gratification maybe to get a bit pop psycho psychological about it it's like you can't have tricks you can't have pizza pops you can't have sunny d when you're a kid but you can have it when you're when you're older and by the time that you are older and you can't afford it you realize just how gross tricks is as a cereal and how like artificial pizza pops are they're so gross (laughs) like they're absolutely putrid yeah Yeah. (laughs) same with like sunny d too when you have it as a kid and you're like man this is like the best drink i've ever had and then now i take like a sip and i'm like oh my gosh it's so concentrated (laughs) it's like acid But steering the conversation back to the cereals, though, I do agree that that, like, nostalgia and, like, that, you know, childlike enjoyment of cereal, I think, is one of those things that you come back to. And I think it's interesting that's one of those things from being a kid that adults still seem to hang on to. Like, I know a lot of people, at least my age, in their kind of mid-20s, still are very much into it. Maybe that changes once you become, like, a parent or something. But I think it's interesting how some things from childhood last longer than others, you know? Totally. And I think that applies in a very focused way, like in cereal, but also hobbies or TV shows. An interesting thing is Lego. So Lego during Christmas time, during Boxing Day, that season, Lego was doing this big push for like Lego architecture sets. And it was really branded as like Lego for adults. It's got, you know, sleek black packaging. And it's not about like, you know, ninjas. It's about like, oh, you can build the Empire State Building. And it was really, it's really captivating. And I think that that kind of messaging lands for more people and and registers with people more than they're willing to admit. I think a lot of people hold old brands like Lego, like sugary cereals, like Saturday morning cartoons with with a certain fondness and they can be revisited within moderation. I can't have a bowl of tricks every morning. I would just die. Like that's just too much. And I can't, you know, have hundreds of dollars of Lego in my apartment. That's just absurd. And I can't watch Saturday morning cartoons all day. My brain would rot. But like taking visits back to those worlds can be really refreshing and can give some perspective, I think, into like what are some components of childhood that are worth keeping and what are some parts of childhood that you can totally live without, namely Sunny D. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I could take a sip of water. 
Uh, sip break. Are you sponsored by anyone? Karen, is this water break sponsored by Squarespace or Blue Apron? Uh, no. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I was trying to think of a clever response, but no, no sponsors, right? But that's what we like. We're made by the people for the people. It's the people's pod. Yeah. Amen. The People's Pod. Make sure you guys use People's Pod at checkout at squarespace.com slash kdavy for 20% off your first website. Check it out. Link in the description. Well, I mean, I guess it'd make more sense to have a serial sponsor. No, website sponsor. It's always Squarespace. You it's can't always Squarespace. Them. Or like Audible, you know? Yeah, Audible. Anyway. Bezos wants you to listen to audiobooks. Sorry. <laughs> really derailing this. Yeah, we're good. We're back to the back to the things that you're hanging on to from childhood. I think you're totally right about there's some things that, for whatever reason, stick in your nostalgia part of your brain. I think, like, Disney movies do that for a lot of people, mm. where, like, people love, like, Disney Plus now. Like, there's mm-hmm. not that much new content that's coming out, but people love to be able to revisit those childhood classics, right? Totally. And just having a bit, like, the availability of it's huge. Like, I watched Atlantis on Disney Plus a few months ago. Phenomenal film. And I watched it, like, once when I was super, super young. It's a great film, but I could not watch, like, a marathon of Atlantis films, like, anytime soon. I couldn't watch, like, 90% of the Disney Plus library anytime soon. But just knowing it's available is enough to remind me of, like, the, the joy it brought and can, can make me a lot happier, especially during, like, COVID when you're trapped in your apartment. Totally. And I, th- I really like the wording you used of taking a trip back and the idea that you are, like, visiting that place of, like, childhood and, like, especially visiting those memories and those emotions and remembering like what that felt like to you know have a bowl of corn pops or something like that right mm-hmm. and it's kind of cool to to have that nostalgia thing but i think i, I think you're right in that that only is available in small doses um, i think that fades very quickly if you dive too deep too fast yeah and then you kind of just reverse you kind of reverse your maturation then you kind of get into full you know benjamin button mode and you're like i can i only watch cartoons and like i only eat sugary cereal and then you're just this dysfunctional adult <laughs> i don't know i never watched benjamin button <laughs> yeah i think benjamin button is that movie where the guy reverts to a childlike state and just becomes completely dysfunctional and it tears his family apart it's a really sad drama right yeah i think it's sponsored by tricks and squarespace <laughs> and squarespace <laughs> uh but yeah i yeah, if, we get, if you're eating Fruit Loops for breakfast, it's not a sustainable lifestyle. No, no, but it's definitely a treat. And now I kind of realize what my mother was, my mom was getting at this whole time. It's like once in a blue moon. I'm like, Yeah, and that's why we like them. So I think then maybe now we shift the conversation towards the cereals. What are you thinking? Where should we start? So uh, maybe I can just do like a lightning round on cereals that I don't think crack the top three. One that comes to mind is Sugar Crisps. If you do a quick Google search of Sugar Crisps and like look at the logo, the mascot is very subpar. It's this kind of sedated bear offering you this bowl of crisps and it's not enjoyable. So Sugar Crisps doesn't even crack the top 10. Yeah, the bear is like totally stoned or something. The eyes, paw full of crisps. It's very funny. You could see like a like a Sugar Crisp bear in like a kid's help phone PSA or like a don't do drugs kind of ad. But- <laughs> It's like don't don't overindulge on on the crisps. It's like one of those ads where it's like the sugar crisp bear, and it's like you can talk to your kids about drugs, or he can. Yeah, <laughs> I do not want the sugar crisp bear talking to any one of my family members <laughs> about anything, cereal or not. <laughs> yeah, you're like, please stay away from my family. <laughs> yeah. Another one is Count Chocula. It was this uh, a pretty intense 
cereal that I didn't have a ton of exposure to, quite frankly, so maybe it's a bit of a blind spot on my end, but it was this uh, chocolate cereal. Uh, the mascot was this, well, he's Count Dracula, but he's, but he's made of or has an affinity for chocolate. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> and the box was like his, his castle, and it was this big garish thing. It, it lacked the kind of whimsicality or like approachability of the other brand. So Count Chocolate is kind of not in my books either. Mm -hmm. Another one, Kieran, I don't know, am I crazy in imagining this? If you go to a grocery store, do you see like these kind of knockoff brands like, like Gorilla Munch? I forget the other names, but there's these really like perturbing sugary cereals that like, I don't know, maybe Whole Foods offers them or something, but it's like Gorilla Munch comes to mind. It's this like really scary gorilla picture. Like it's too realistic to be a cartoon, but it's not real. So it ends up being this terrifying, disturbing nightmare. Right? Yeah. Don't give me Gorilla Munch, like ever. Like give me the real thing. Yeah. I think for any of you listeners not familiar with Gorilla Munch, I think Google and you will see why this is a terrifying cereal. I've actually never had it because the box is too off-putting. Right? It's very perturbing. I'm looking at it now. Oh, God. I do like the knockoffs there where it's like Odeos or like <laughs> Fruity Loops. And it's like not quite, but it's close. I like that too. It's derivative enough just to be charming. One that I think is not deserving is I think Corn Flakes is just bad. <laughs> <laughs> like it doesn't have any flavor or texture. It's just kind of like empty carbs yeah and and like the mascot is just like this bland 2d like hen thing it's like not even a thing it's like just it's nothing it's just wow so then which ones do you lean towards as being like this is one of the best so what i have at number three i've got honey nut cheerios now i know what you may be thinking karen you're thinking james there's way better more sugary cereals than that and I would agree, but I, I chose Honey Nut Cheerios as my top three because it, it handles sort of two sides of the same coin in a really elegant way. It has sort of the sugary appeal, the sugary indulgence that you know we're all fans of, but it also has sort of the really broad accessibility that other cereals have. HNC is kind of the perfect balance of the yin and yang of the cereal world, just like flavor and like no nonsense. On one end, you got like Count Chocula, all nonsense, not accessible. And then on the other end, like it, all accessible, no fun cornflakes <laughs> i think hnc strikes a good middle and that's why it's at my number three i agree because i think that cheerios in itself is like feels very iconic very classic like prototypical cereal and i think honey nut cheerios is just regular cheerios but more fun which i think cereal is a very fun product it's a little bit sugary for me now i think at the time i was like this is a good breakfast food and i was a kid i was like this is fine now i think it might be a little bit uh sugary for me personally but I'm glad you mentioned it because I also would include that in our top three just for its like classicness. But also I will share in a little bit more research I did as this one. The Wikipedia page for Honey Nut Cheerios, you know, spells out lots of information about the product and where it came from historically, and also has in-universe information for Buzz uh, B. <laughs> like Honey Nut Cheerios CU, like cinematic universe. Yeah. Like, it has, for example, it has, like, Buzz B. It has, like, species, B. Gender, male. <laughs> Occupation, mascot of Honey Nut Cheerios. <laughs> like, so not relevant for, like, nobody needs that information to be posted on Wikipedia. The people need to know, and you can only have information as compelling as that on a Squarespace website, guys. Squarespace.com slash kbaby. 20% <laughs> off at checkout. <laughs> I cannot endorse this 
I don't think this is true. But if Squarespace wants to hit me up, I mean, go for it. And you're going to get me that sponsorship. I appreciate it, James. Oh, yeah. I do want to toss a few taglines from Honey Night Cheerios at you. Please. So the first one, as far as I can see from this Wikipedia page, is it's a honey of an O. What? Which oh is my. so nonsensical. <laughs> All nonsense. <laughs> yeah, it's a, they, they quickly dropped that one. Well, did it actually not very quickly. It lasted from 1979 to 2004. Yikes. So they put a good few decades into that one. <laughs> they really hung their hat on it's a honey of an O for a long time. Wow. Other ones that they had was just straightforward. It's Honey Nut Cheerios. Great tagline. That's that's the all substance. That's the opposite of the nonsense version. Yeah, other ones. They also, one of my favorite ones is Little O, Big Taste. I love that one. That's fun. I think it's true. Yeah, I like that one. And then the most recent ones from 2004 onwards, we have From the Hive That's Nuts About Honey. And I think that's really good. Yeah, that really hits the bee motif and the nuts. And the honey, it's good. Really leaning on that, like, in-universe vibe. The the two that I think are the best, though, so the current ones they're offering with presently, they have, from 2016 onwards, they have Good Goes Round, which I think is terrible, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the one that I think is the most nuts is, from 2013 to present, they have Must Be the Honey, and then it says in bracket, based on Nelly's ride with me. <laughs> like the song that <laughs> Like the song by the rapper Nelly, released in 2001, when it goes like, hey, must be the money. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so Cheerios heard that and were like, hey, what if we take that? Because that'll be a lasting cultural artifact. Wow. Also, wait. That song came out in 2001, and they decided on this slogan in 2013. Whoa. So 12 years after Ride With Me came out, they were like, you know that song from 2001? Let's make that our serial slogan. Must be the honey. I think maybe for 12 years, there are just so many boardroom meetings about like, guys, do we pull the trigger on must be the honey? No, now's not the time. Years pass, years pass, years. 2013, guys, finally, let's do it. Or it's like, New leadership in the company, fresh face, new CEO, executive order, first thing in business. Guys, you're going to hate me, but listen to this. <laughs> Maybe Nelly took over Cheerios and he was like, guys, I'm bringing it back. Yeah, I, I think that's the best one. Sorry to do a deep dive down the like Cheerios slogan rabbit hole. No, it's brilliant. I loved it. I think that we're settled on Honey uh, Cheerios as one of our top three. Do you have another one that you're thinking of? Um, I might have Lucky Charms up there at number three, as it might, just because of like the iconic brand IP that is the Leprechaun and the advertisements. Like, I think those are really strong ads. You sort of knew what you were signing up for when you got a Lucky Charms ad. And the idea of like t only 20% of the cereal includes the stuff that you really want, like the marshmallows, I think really appeals to just how a kid's mind works. <laughs> it's like they're willing to stomach the like, fine parts of the cereal for the absolute gold nuggets that are the marshmallows but i don't know i, I think i think hnc is still still three because you know i could have honey nut cheerios when i'm 60 uh, and i probably can't have you know lucky charms when i'm 60. yeah i think lucky charm is one of those where the the longevity falls off pretty fast i think once you outgrow it a little bit i would nominate vector personally as one of the top three it's one of the cereals that right now as an adult i have for like most breakfasts and I'm consistently not tired of. 
It's a great cereal. It's great. And I was always under the impression, it's like, oh, it's this healthy cereal. It's for like sports people and it's active. And that's obviously not true. It's things just dripping in sugar, <laughs> but it's great. Yeah. It's just, it's just brilliant branding as like, hey, we're a healthy cereal for like athletes. It's phenomenal branding. It's also delicious. I really like it. Um, yeah, I could see that being in top three as well. Now I do have a number two slot or number two pick if you're curious. Well, we can sort of the one, two, three after, but I want to hear another one of your options. My number two pick for the top three cereals is none other than Nesquik. Really? Bear with me, stay with me. I think the PCE, the post-crunch experience of Nesquik is absolutely the best of any cereal. It turns your milk into chocolate milk which is basically a Jesus level miracle, water to wine, milk to chocolate milk level of like messianic magic that the, the, the Nesquik rabbit performs in your bowl. I think it's a phenomenal, phenomenal cereal and it's strong. I can't eat a bowl with it every day, but it's up there. I'd say it's t a top two. That is bold. How does that align with your maybe hesitancy to fully engage with dairy products these days? Well, I guess it's just like oat milk or almond milk. So it's, as long as it's not dairy, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the clear. And the fact that the Nesquik rabbit can work his magic on non-dairy alternatives really just shows his power. You can't stop the rabbit. He is gunning for your milk. He's going to turn it into chocolate, dairy or not. Interesting. That is a bold choice because I feel like Nesquik doesn't necessarily, like you mentioned, you can eat Honey Nut Cheerios when you're 60. I don't know if you see any like elderly folks slamming back a bowl of Nesquik. And I would agree with that. I would. I can't eat Nesquik when I'm 60, but I would say the sheer flavor and everything around it, like it totally is like a D in the longevity department, but it's A pluses in all the other categories, I would say. And that kind of compensates for it. Bold, very bold, interesting. See, I was thinking for my sugary cereal pick, I had none other than Cinnamon Toast Crunch as like, that's the cereal that I will like go for as the sugary cereal option. Not to skip ahead too far, but I honest, I, I have CT Crunch in my top three. I have CT Crunch firmly as, you know, the gold medal, as the number one. Happy to see that we're on the same wavelength here. I think that Cinnamon Toast Crunch is interesting because it's really lacking in the mascot department. Oh, it's dreadful. It's got the worst ads. It's got these flakes licking each other, and that's the ad? It's awful. <laughs> yeah, it's very disturbing. These, like, it's just little pieces of cereal with, like, beady eyes and big tongues. It's the worst thing ever. <laughs> It's pretty dreadful, but again, the flavor, I also think it's arguably the best cereal to eat with milk or sans la milk. It's like really, really strong. Totally agree. It is very strong sans la milk. Yeah, truly. And that's, that's good for me. <laughs> yeah, I also think so. I think that like, at least among our generation, I feel like there's a lot of people my age who have really latched onto CT Crunch as like the golden, like the holy grail of cereal. CT Crunch I think, yeah, is deservedly in the in the number, maybe number one spot. It's really good. Who do you have as number one, Kieran? If CT Crunch is your number two, what's your number one? When I was thinking about the top three, I kind of thought about them in three separate like realms. I knew that I had to have a sugary cereal in there, which I felt like CT Crunch, definitely we should have one in our top three. I thought probably we should have one that like is like a go-to we can do on the daily. For me, that was Vector. It's like, this is a breakfast cereal that I will eat. Like, I can't eat CT Crunch for breakfast. That's like a midnight snack cereal for me. And then I thought Cheerios has that classic, like, Honey Cheerios. It's iconic. It's classic. So that's what I was thinking. These are ones that I feel, like, comfortable advocating for. I, I get you. And I think maybe I'm getting 
crazy here. But maybe we put HNC as the number one, actually, given that it encompasses all the dimensions, like all around. And then we move these sugary cereals to a two or a three slot just to flip the order around. Yeah, I think actually you might be right in terms of like, what is the ultimate cereal? And like Honey Nut Cheerios is probably it in terms of like just being the well-rounded, the all-star. I didn't see it coming, but... I don't know. It's like kind of the cereal we deserve, but not the one we need. And CT Crunch is the one we we really, really want. That's like our id, it like at, at 100%. But I mean, if I'm applying some sort of like Taoist analogy to Honey Nut Cheerios as like the center of all things good, like I don't know how you get better than that. So I might have cornered myself with how I characterized it, actually. <laughs> well, I'm glad that we're bringing Taoism into our cereal discussion. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm comfortable, honestly, with Honey Nut Cheerios as number one. But then, like, so we've, we've kind of tossed four into the consideration, being Nesquik, Honey Nut Cheerios, CT Crunch, and Vector. And we got to bump one of those out. And how do we, how do, we do it? I'm, I, I, might, I might bump Nesquik, TBH. I don't know. I love the PCE. Don't get me wrong. I love the branding. I love this miracle, this miracle rabbit. But in a lot of ways, a lot of the other cereals in contention also kind of pull that off. Corn Pops, Reese's Puffs, Frosted Flakes... They all kind of have some semblance of a PCE, and they're all kind of in that same domain. And so I'm willing to kind of bundle them, actually, upon further consideration to that kind of, like, call it D-tier, you know, top four to top ten kind of range. And maybe CT Crunch stands ahead. Yeah, I think for me, Nesquik would bump down to a number four spot, because the Milk Miracle is pretty, like, it is by far the front runner in terms of just how it changes the, the PCE, but... I don't know if I would come back to it. You know, I remember it as this like standout miracle cereal, but I don't know if it's one of my like staples, you know? <laughs> it's like the first kiss of cereal. So it's like, wow, what a, what a moment. But for a lot of reasons, maybe you do or you don't want to come back to it. You were a different person back then and you can't enjoy it the same way now. But Honey Nut Cheerios is the, that's the cereal you can really start a life with. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not going to marry like Nesquik, but you will have like a very intense summer romance. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I think then we're settled then it sounds like with Honey Nut Cheerios number one, and then our other two being CT Crunch and then Vector in that order, like one, two, three, or does Vector pull ahead? I think, oh, good luck, dude. CT Crunch is firmly number two. <laughs> <laughs> Vector is not better than CT Crunch. Not in a long shot. Are we sure we don't want to put Gorilla Munch at number three? <laughs> yes, we are sure we do not want Gorilla Munch anywhere near our other cereals. All right. <laughs> we don't have to leave. We don't have to include anything we don't want to. Maybe we could do some honorable mentions, though, Kieran, because there's a lot of cereals that we haven't brought up yet. Sure, we could toss them in. Frosted Flakes, right? How can you have a pod about cereals without Tony making an appearance? Uh, also kind of branded himself as a sports guy, right? He's always playing hockey or something. They tried very hard. So Frosted Flakes has done really well for itself. I like I like the flakes. They're solid. Rice Krispies is another one. It's your grandpa's kind of cereal in a lot of ways, I think. But they've got like all these different variations of it. Chocolate Rice Krispies, Vanilla Rice Krispies, which I think is probably the best variant. It's insanely good. I agree. Vanilla Rice Krispies are insane. But uh, it doesn't really crack that top three, I think, because it's mostly just air. But it's like the most delicious air I've ever tasted, ever. It's great air. It's phenomenal air. And that's maybe disturbing about how, like, in a corporate boardroom, they cope with their, like, advertising thing, and it gets wedged in this poor, impressionable kid's brain for decades. Must be the honey, Karen. Must be the honey. Exactly. 
Cool. Well, James, thank you so much for diving deep on the serial discussion. That was a lot of fun. Thanks so much. It was a lot of fun. Make sure you guys check out squarespace.com slash kdavy at coupon code snapcrackle count chocula pop for 30% off at websites, I guess they sell. <laughs> I should know. Yeah, they sell something. Before we, before we leave, James, can you leave us with one piece of life advice? I don't, okay, I talked about Taoism and Jesus. I'm really getting ahead of myself doing this podcast. I think the, the, I think what we're trying to get out, the ethos of the episode is like, there's always a distinction to remember when looking back at the things that brought you joy when you were a child. And there's an important nuance between something that is childlike and brings you a lot of wonder and pleasure, take cereals, take Saturday morning cartoons, and something that is childish, like behavior that you really should grow out of for the sake of being a better person. Don't be afraid to look at those things that were a part of your younger self with that lens and make that distinction. You know, is this a part of childlike wonder that I want to bring back into my life that would be refreshing and would make me a better person? Or is it childish and I can afford to kind of do without it? Am I looking at Honey Nut Cheerios or am I looking at Sunny D? There's a there's an important distinction there. And as long as you're willing to notice it, I think you'll be better off. Yeah, and maybe as you mentioned, it also comes into like the moderation thing too, like dabbling in the nostalgia you know, this childlike wonder, we're embracing that, like, memory and the fondness of that experience. And maybe you dive too deep, and now it becomes, okay, what's, we're diving back into immaturity and regressing a little bit. Totally. Well, thanks, James. Thanks for leaving that with us and for, you know, helping us think deep about the cereals in our lives. Of course. Thanks so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming. It's been a blast. And that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you, James, for joining me today. And thank you so much for listening to The Top 3. We hope that you enjoyed our discussion of the top three breakfast cereals. It's worth noting that our rankings are driven by passion and not by expertise. If you would like to suggest the topic be discussed, or you would just like to say hi, please leave a comment or message us on Instagram at thetop3pod. You can also email us at thetop3pod at gmail.com. The music featured in this podcast is by Sebastian Ochoa Mendoza. If you would like to support this podcast, please tell your friends about it. I hope that you have a lovely day.